Hello, everybody, and welcome back as we start the final story in Suni and the Dragon by Shirley Rousseau Murphy. And again, thank you, Shirley, for giving me permission to read these to my audience. Now, this final story is called Suni and the Griffin and Young Dan Long. Last week, we wrapped up Suni's story where she faced off against a troll, a kelpie, and a fairy king. What do you think is going to happen this week? A five-headed griffin lived inside the hill above the village of Mire. The grass was thick and tall, but no one grazed their beasts there. For a griffin can charm simple creatures into wild and magical beings that speak with human tongue, and no one wanted that, did they? What curse a griffin could lay on men... No one ventured to guess. Folk all stayed clear of Griffin's Hill, as had their ancestors for nine hundred years. All except Dan Long. Dan would take his animals to Griffin's Hill, and no good could come of that. But warn him as folk might, Dan Long did as he chose. You would see him climbing Griffin's Hill at daybreak, with his cattle and goats and pig, so folk shook their heads and closed their shutters and said a prayer for Dan. But prayers didn't help much, because Dan Long continued in his foolish ways. Now, Dan wasn't a handsome lad. His hands and feet were too big, and he was too plain for the pretty girls of Meyer. Well, if Dan had laughing dark eyes that might enchant a girl, no girl ever got close enough to notice. Dan lived out at the edge of town where folk needn't stumble over him, so folk didn't see him ride out at night on a silvery goat taller than any stallion, or on a snow-white bull that could run at the speed of light. No one saw Dan Long ride out on a huge old boar that shone like gold beneath the rising moon. And no one saw the shapes Dan took, shape of a laughing child or a dark-bearded rogue, or an old, wrinkled hag. Dan did it just for fun, and if he rode out in the daytime, he was more careful still to go unseen. There are ways of keeping folk from observing that which would worry them. There wasn't a deceitful bone in Dan Long's body, except the wish to keep others from discomfort. And there wasn't a magical trick in Dan's experience, except those that would do the same. So that was Dan Long, and he knew who he was in the world. Now one morning at dawn, Dan went up Griffin's Hill with his beasts, and he saw a strange sight on the empty meadow. He saw a bright wagon standing there, all painted with flowers and birds. The spokes were red, and the tongue was red, and the trim around the windows was blue. And there was a fine black chimney and curtains at the window. A young girl slept on the grass beside it as if the night had been too fine to sleep inside. Her hair tangled round her like autumn leaves, and her lashes fine as lace on her cheeks. The old hound curled by her side smiled and wagged when Dan approached. The old mare grazing in the lee of the wagon raised her nose to Dan. Suni slept so soundly she didn't know that Dan Long stood looking down at her. 
She was dreaming of dancing with handsome young man and they kissing her brow and holding her hand. And in her dreams, she smiled. Her smile quite made Dan Long smile in return with wonderful delight. By the time Sooney woke, Dan Long had gone on over the hill with his cattle and goats and pig. Sooney, opening her eyes to the rising sun, was quite alone and felt sad at losing the young men of her dreams to the reality of the day. But the morning was bright, the meadow lovely. Sooney couldn't be sad for long. She rose and yawned and cooked up some breakfast and noticed how empty the cupboard was. Then she sat gazing below to the village. Well, she would go down there and seek out some work to trade for flour and pot meat and vegetables. Maybe she could dance for her vittles, or sing, or scrub a floor or two. Sooney never worried. There was always something she could do, for she could mend almost anything, tell a tale that delighted, and polish a house till it shone. So down went Sooney into the village, leaving the mare happily grazing and the old hound snuffling among the bumblebees. Well, an old woman in the village had broken her leg, so Sooney scrubbed her floor and washed out the linen and hung it on the fence, white as snow. Then she sang a song for her all about raggle-taggle gypsies, oh, and the old dear quite liked that. Sooney weeded the garden and patched the gate and put on the stew pot for supper. She earned a bushel basket of fine red beets and potatoes and carrots and cabbages and two speckled trout on top that the old woman's grandson brought home just as Sooney was going out the door. My, he was a handsome young man with clear blue eyes and curling blonde hair, and he smiled at Sooney as if his heart could break for her. Though, she did wonder why such a strong young man would be fishing all day when his grandma lay abed with a broken leg. But when he smiled again and asked her to walk out that night and to sing and dance with all the young folk on the village green, Sooney could not resist. Her heart fluttered all the way up Griffin's Hill, where she bathed herself, dressed in her blue gown, gave the hound his supper, and skipped back down again to meet young Johnny Weckett. Johnny couldn't come up the hill to fetch her, of course, because the griffin lived up there. Oh, they sang and danced till the wee hours, all the young folk admire. But then at midnight there came such a howling from Griffin's Hill that all the music stopped and the dancing stopped and everyone ran home in case the griffin should come out. He never had come out, not in nine hundred years. But he might. Well, young Johnny Weckett couldn't walk Sooney to the hill with Griffin rampaging, now could he? So, Sooney walked him home instead, and when they reached his door, old grandmother was just sobbing with the pain in her leg. It's the Griffin's bellowing makes it throb. His wails go right to the bone, same as when thunder comes. Young Johnny Weckett couldn't think of what to do. He went off to the spring house for a pint of stout to quiet his nerves, while Sooney stopped up the windows with rags, stopped up the crack round the door, and brewed up a draught of mint leaves and tansy and chamomile that was bound to ease the pain. It did, too. By the time young Johnny got back from the spring house with his pint inside him, 
old grandmother was fast asleep. "'I see you set the old woman straight,' said Johnny. "'I see you haven't helped,' replied Sooney. "'Doctorin's a woman's work,' replied Johnny. "'Come, give us a kiss, for I've shown you a fine night of dancing and singing.' "'The dancing and singing were fine,' said Sooney. "'But you're not.' and she turned on her heel and left young Johnny, and never a kiss or a thank you for good-for-nothing Johnny Weckett, who treated his grandmother that way. So that was Sooney. She knew what she thought about things. She ran lightly up Griffin's Hill, and greeted the old hound and greeted the old mare, and soon was cozy in her blanket beneath the starry sky. But, oh, the cries of the griffin were so loud up there, and so full of woe, that Sooney could never sleep. No one could sleep with that terrible wailing like to break your heart. Sooney flung on her cloak again and went round the hill till she found a way inside. She went along in through the hill's dark middle, and the griffin's cries grew so loud her ears nearly burst. Surely he was bellowing with every one of his five heads. When at last Sooney came to the griffin himself curled round a rock, Sure, all five mouths were open and howling, fit to raise the dead. "'Whatever's the matter with you?' shouted Sooney. "'Do you have a bellyache?' The griffin was so startled to see a young girl there and to be asked such an impertinent question that he left off howling and stared. Then he growled crossly. "'I'm lonesome.' "'But you wouldn't know about that. "'Obviously you've never been lonesome. "'You're far too pretty to be,' he said this most resentfully, "'and then began wailing again. "'As a matter of fact,' said Sooney, sitting down on a rock, "'I have been very lonesome, hasn't everyone? "'But I never bellowed like that about it. "'Do you mean to say you've been howling all night "'just because you feel lonely?' "'You wouldn't understand. You're only a girl. No one in the world understands. No one, no one ever comes to see me. They all hate me in the village. They don't understand that I would do nice things for the animals. They don't want nice things done for them. They won't let their animals come near me.' "'No one will?' "'Well, almost no one. I've lived in this hill nine hundred years, and that's a long time to be alone, and no kind word ever said to you, or hardly any, because no one, no one can love a five-headed griffin. He sobbed so hard, all five heads seemed to be in danger of drowning in their tears, and his body simply shook with his sobs. "'Look at you!' cried Sooney. "'Just look at you. You're a rare and remarkable creature. "'How many folks have five heads? "'You're a marvel, a wonder. "'Where is your self-respect? "'Now, for goodness' sake, stop crying and lay your heads in my lap, "'and I'll rub your foreheads and you'll feel better soon.' "'The poor griffin laid his five heads in Sunni's lap "'and sighed as she began to pet and scratch him. "'Sure enough,' He was soon sound asleep. Sooney tiptoed out and went quietly back to her wagon. She lay beside it, looking up at the stars and thinking of the poor griffin, and then of young Johnny Weckett, 
and how handsome Johnny was, and of the wonderful night of dancing and singing, and how she could never care much for such a good-for-nothing fellow as Johnny. When she saw a huge silver goat come galloping up the hill with a little child riding it, Sooney was sure she was dreaming. "'Hello, Sooney,' said the goat. He knelt down before Sooney, and the little child dismounted. "'Hello, Sooney,' said the child, doffing his cap and grinning fit to light up the night. "'You made the griffin very happy.' "'I hope I did. Poor griffin.' Sooney sat admiring the wonderful goat, so shining silver and able to speak. "'How my mare and old hound would love to learn to speak as you can.' The goat grinned. "'Well, they can, of course, if they wish to. The griffin can show them if it would make them happy.' I shouldn't want them to if it would make them sad. The little boy looked at Sooney for a long time. My, he had fine dark eyes. He said, Will you tell me a story, Sooney? So, Sooney told him of three princesses and a terrible dragon that swallowed all three and coughed them up each night to sing and dance for him, and how Sooney had tricked him into setting them free. "'Is that a true tale?' the child said when Sooney had finished. "'As true as I am sitting here.' "'Then you are the kind of woman I would like to marry.' "'I am as tall as your elbow now. I am a third as old as you. When I am taller and older, will you marry me?' "'I might. That depends on what kind of a man you grow to be.' "'I will be better than that smiling young Johnny Weckett,' he said, and winked and disappeared all of a sudden, and the silver goat disappeared, and Sooney was left alone in the night. Sooney lay gazing at the stars and wondering at life's mysteries. The next morning she went again to the village and came to an old farmer sick with the egg who needed his cows cared for. Sooney milked and washed and fed them and put the milk to cool. She churned the butter and gathered the eggs and mended the roof and put a pot on for supper and she earned butter and cream and all the eggs she could carry. She had just finished the evening milking when the old farmer's son came home with a fine string of fish and smiled and asked Sooney to go dancing with him on the green with all the young folk of the town. Well, Sooney did love to dance and to sing, and she looked at his roguish green eyes and his curling red hair, and she would go with him. She ran up the hill to feed her old hound, and was down again just as the dancing began. Well, of course, he couldn't come to fetch her, could he, with the griffin living up there? Oh, they danced, and soon he sang for them of cockles and mussels and of raggle-taggle gypsies, oh, which made the young folks smile. But when midnight fell, the party was shattered, and the music destroyed as griffin started to howl and holler. And, of course, everyone took fright and ran home to hide in their beds. Griffin hadn't come out in nine hundred years, but he might come. Young Charlie Shammer was pale with fear, and he couldn't walk Sooney to the hill, of course, with the griffin rampaging there. So Sooney walked him home instead. She would have left him at his door, but there was a sick cow down in the barn trying to calve, and the old father with sleeves rolled up trying to soothe her. Well, young Charlie ran right to the house to boil water and was not seen again, and Sooney went to help the old man. 
When the new calf lay bright and bawling on the clean straw, Sunni stood up to go home and found young Charlie had returned to admire the little creature and to collect his goodnight kiss. After all, I gave you a fine night of dancing and singing and partying, so a kiss is the least you can pay me, my sweet Sunni. I am not your sweet Sunni, and I don't make payments for dancing and singing with any young man, said Sunni. And where were you when your father needed you tonight? And where were you when the roof needed mending and the cows needed milking and the barn cleaned and the fodder hauled? With that, she strode off into the night, angry as she could be. She wouldn't go dancing with the likes of that one again. Yes, that was Sunni. She knew what she thought about things. She struck out for Griffin's Hill as fast as she could walk, and wondering if all the young men of Mire were so spineless. She was so angry that when a streak of white came galloping up the hill fast as lightning to pass her with a roar of wind, Sunni only scowled after it and muttered, I hope Charlie Shammer falls on his face in the cow muck and can't get up again. She climbed on up, greeted the old hound, and patted the old mare, glanced once in the direction the white streak had gone, then rolled up in her blanket beneath the stars. Whatever that white streak had been, it was certainly minding its own affairs and was likely in the next country by this time. She closed her eyes and intended to sleep. But, oh... The griffin's yowling lament tore at Sunni's very soul. Soon she was up again, and throwing on her cloak and running around the hill and hurrying inside. She confronted the griffin's five screaming heads. She was almost crying with pity, but she shouted at him anyway. Must you make such a fuss? How can I sleep with all that? But she had to grin at the thought of the young folks screaming and running for shelter. You threw the village into a terrible dither. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? Oh, cried the griffin. Did I indeed? A dither? The whole town? Oh, how very exciting. Sunni sighed with exasperation, took the griffin's five heads in her lap and began to rub his foreheads. When she looked up, there stood a great white bull shining like moonlit snow, and a tall young boy stood beside him. His dark eyes were smiling at her. What is wrong with poor Griffin? He's lonely. Sunni rubbed Griffin's third head tenderly. The boy looked at the Griffin. How can you be lonely with us here? You're not here all the time. You're not here hardly ever, grumbled the Griffin, two heads asleep and the other three glaring at the boy. You come here when you feel like it, and that's seldom enough, and you never invite me out to visit you, and I sit here in the dark wanting someone to talk, and even Pig and Goat and Bull don't have all that much to say when they do come, and... The boy had reached up and closed the griffin's two gabbling mouths. I'm inviting you now, griffin. Sunni and I will make a party for you. He glanced at Sunni to see if she agreed, and she nodded. I will make tea, she said, and butter cakes and honey. So out went Sunni and Boy and Griffin, with the white bull moving like the wind around them. And Griffin's five heads were all awake now and just staring in every direction, up at the stars and down at the village and out at the wide, wide world. Round the hill they went, old Griffin slogging along happily. <laughs> I'm going to leave you there. What do you think's going to happen next with Sunni and the child? 
and the old griffin. We'll find out in our next episode. Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane is proudly produced by Lantern Audio Works. Check out our merchandise store at lanternaudioworks.com, where you can find all sorts of fun merchandise, including tumblers, mugs, shirts, hoodies, stickers, pretty much whatever you guys want. Your purchases directly help support the creation of Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane, Punks in the Library, Old Bob, and brimstone. Thank you very much. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to connect with me further, you can find me on Instagram at Crane underscore author. Link is in the show notes.